0: Welcome then to a Wednesday's Richie Allen Show I hope you've had a great day It's uh, the 18th of October 2023 My name is Richie Allen I've got two very interesting guests Lined up for you this afternoon To be with you good, it's good to be with you
1: It's the BBG Not the
2: BBC This is your Richie Allen Show Live from the magnificent city
1: of Salford
3: It's the Richie Allen Show broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world and now here's your host richie allen
0: brilliant listen join in during the program via the website RichieAllen.co.uk. leave a message on the app at the richie allen show app i look forward to hearing from you later on in the next hour francis will be on the program francis has become known as the spokesman for the Yellow Boards Group, a really interesting group of people who appear as they pop up all across London, sharing information, challenging official narratives on everything like Eules on climate change, on vaccines, everything. As they're against censorship, the Yellow Boards Group, Francis joins the programme a little bit later on. And before that, my friend Kevin Barrett will join us live from Morocco, we're going to talk about the latest developments in Palestine, claims and counterclaims about hospital bombings. We'll get into that with Kevin. As usual, that's truthjihad.com. Kevin's Substack stack is kevinbarrett.substack.com. So lots to get into, as there always is. And I look forward, and I really mean it when I say to reading your account, how you see things. That's all that matters to me. So let's talk about... This is a hospital. Actually, before we do that, let me bring up, because things change so quickly. I've got Reuters open. I've got the BBC website open. I'm not saying these are credible sources, but I'd like you to know what they are saying. The BBC is reporting that Joe Biden, as the US president, has backed Israel's account of the Gaza explosion, the hospital explosion, which apparently has killed hundreds of people. No number on that death count yet. I don't want to sound like the mainstream media who get very excited about death counts, but this is the Al Ali hospital just as we were coming to the end of this program yesterday, it was announced that the hospital had been hit by something, a missile and hundreds of people uh, had died. The Israeli Defence Force came out this morning with a very detailed briefing claiming that it had nothing to do with it and in fact Islamic Jihad operating in Gaza had fired rockets towards Israel. One of those rockets or several of those rockets, depending on who you believe, had failed and had hit the hospital causing great loss of life. So that's what they're reporting on the BBC and on Reuters right now. So, as I said, the IDF said Islamic Jihad did it. It said a rocket failed and hit the car park. Hamas and others say no. They say Israel did it. What are your thoughts, dear listener? Message me during the programme. Now, Katya Adler, one of the interesting things about the briefing, now I'm not saying who did and who didn't fire the projectile that hit the car park ...of the hospital, because I don't know. It's very irresponsible to claim anything as fact when you don't know. But what struck me this morning at the IDF briefing was the level of detail they had. They even had an intercepted, either a phone call, it had to be a phone call really... ...between two Islamic Jihad terrorists. Apparently the phone call intercepted after the hospital blew up. And these guys were... We're talking about how it all went wrong, how the mission went wrong, and they hit one of our hospitals. Now, very difficult to verify any of that. The BBC was there, Sky was there, CNN was there, and nobody said to this guy from the IDF, well, look, that could be actors, it could be anybody, like, you know. I mean, I could be a bit childish about it if I wanted to be, not that I'm in any way trying to minimise you know, the loss of life, but I could say that I interrupted a a a phone call, a telephone call, from two Israeli Defence Force operatives, a phone call before the attack on the hospital. Let's call these operatives, they they go by codenames Marge and Homer, and this is me intercepting a telephone call before the bombing, and I think it's fairly self-explanatory that the Israeli Defence Forces did it, right? So let's... Um, Let's bring up that... Let's bring up that bit of audio if I can. It's going to take me a second here now. Here it is. I'll
1: do it. But if I die during the
4: operation, will you do one thing for me?
0: So, so the IDF officer Homer asks Marge, if I die during the operation, will you do something for me?
5: anything, sweetheart. Blow up the hospital. Hmm.
0: Blow up the hospital, you see. That could be evidence too. Right, okay, let's leave the silliness alone for a minute. So, well, for more than a minute... Um, Katja Adler, BBC woman in the Middle East, interviewed Peter Lerner, an IDF lieutenant colonel from Harrow originally. Now he said Islamic Jihad did it. To her credit, she said to him, Well, the IDF has previous Peter, it has blamed Hamas in the past, and then we found out you were telling lies. I thought she was quite good to say this. She said, You've blamed Hamas previously. We found out you were telling pork pies. Come on, Peter. What was his response to that?
6: That's- Katya, um, I completely understand what you're saying. I've been around the block in in this in the military for several years, and I faced several instances like this. I can say from my personal experience, I've never seen the the IDF mobilize in order to get to the facts at such a fast pace, at such a high level, in order to understand exactly what happened. This is an extraordinary incident, and it is a tragedy, a human cha- tragedy that we are seeing develop. But we need to be very very cautious you know you will check, question me and cross check and double check and double answer me but when hamas and it is
0: nice he's giving her permission to to reference him and to cross check and to analyze announced
6: it was an israeli strike that killed the hospitals you take it for face value i'm just saying we need to be very very cautious and set put a very very serious question mark on the people that are willing to butcher babies But when a military is conducting a professional military army, like in the UK, we don't target civilians, we do not target hospitals. There there can be incidental damage, there can be unfortunate loss of life, but our goal, and and contrary to what you said, we don't bombard Gaza, we are targeting Hamas. This is a butchering organisation, a a terrorist organisation. A
0: butchering organisation.
6: That has no regard um, Peter for Lanner,
7: life. can I can I say that?
0: So she jumps in. She had to jump in eventually. I would imagine she was holding back the vomit. You say you don't target civilians. You're kidding me, right? What does she say next?
7: You you say that you're targeting Hamas and the Gaza Strip, but of course the world is seeing the images of the Gaza Strip known as an extremely uh, crowded place that is sealed at one end by Israel and the other by Egypt. And there has been a heavy bombardment that has levelled whole areas of the Gaza Strip. Peter,
0: you're bombing the shit out of it and you're killing thousands of people. Don't come on to my programme. And tell me that you're not targeting civilians, right?
7: That in includes uh, buildings, which has residential buildings. The, uh, the number of dead amongst the Palestinians, Israel says it's gone in there to, to target armed groups who've taken Israeli lives and taken Israelis' hostages. But the civilian count on the Palestinian side, the deaths, the injuries, includes so many women, so many children. As you say, you've been around... For a long time, uh, you know this very... Don't
0: bullshit a bullshitter, Peter, is what she's saying. Very
7: well inside Gaza. Most, 50% of Gazans are under the age of 18. In a crowded area like this, the civilian casualty is so high that the whole world is watching this. The whole world is watching Israel.
0: Peter.
6: And that is precisely why we need to be very cautious in listening to what Hamas is saying about their casualties and so on. When the, a... Minister of of Health in Gaza speaks, he is speaking as a mouthpiece for Hamas, a terrorist organisation that will butcher babies. They will have no problem lying to the media.
0: So don't don't believe the casualty numbers coming out of Gaza, says Peter Lerner from Harrow, these days based in, in, in Jerusalem working for the IDF don't believe them because when the health minister speaks from Gaza, he's a mouthpiece for Hamas so they're just making numbers up and you know, they're adding legs onto the death numbers and all the rest of it says Peter
6: With regard to, I, and, and I respect very much what you're saying and the, the, the line of, of, of inquiry and, and what you're trying to get to here. When Hamas operates and positions its explosive drones on the rooftops of houses, its command and control positions in high-rise buildings, its rockets in the basements of, of schools, and shopping centers. They are jeopardizing the civilian population. What we are doing is vacating them, asking people to evacuate specific areas where we intend to strike, precisely because we want to keep them out of harm's way.
0: No, you're shooting them as they leave. This has been proven. You're killing them as they leave. You're you're basically committing ethnic cleansing, Peter. You're telling people to get out of their homes and apartments. And you're making up bullshit. You're saying, "Get out of your homes, get out of your apartments because we believe that the 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 Hamas group is operating from those very homes and apartments. We're going to blow up your houses, so you've got to leave." Then they try to leave and they're shot by your your airplanes. And they can't leave. I, you know, ultimately they can't leave. So this is horse manure. This is the old Hamas is using human shields trope, right? Israel has already murdered nearly 4,000 in Gaza. Nearly 4,000. Just, just think about that for a minute, right? So presumably every one of them was standing in front of a weapons dump, right? Obviously not. Now Joe Biden was in Tel Aviv in Jerusalem today. Not that he knows it. Uh, reading from a sheet on a table in front of him and struggling very badly, Biden says, kind of, that he's satisfied he knows who shot at the hospital. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. The other team. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, we got to overcome a lot of things. A lot of people not sure, so you've got to work on a lot of things. You can interpret that in any way you like, right? Um, Biden looked like he could barely sit up, to be honest. And then he told us uh, a memorable anecdote. You know, uh, years ago, I asked the Secretary of State, when he and I were working in the Senate, to write something for man. He said,
4: uh, he wrote a line that uh, I think is appropriate. He said...
0: Uh, It's not, we need, not just, uh, well I won't go into it, I'll wait later, taking too much time. He won't go into it. Secretary of State, we worked years ago in the Senate and he said something to me, he wrote something down, I asked him to write something for me. Um, I, I can't, we'll just move on. Brilliant, let's get some feedback on that anecdote. It's not
3: a classic anecdote,
0: is it? No it isn't. Not not by a long shot, is it? A classic anecdote. It's a staggering lack of self-awareness of some television and radio presenters here in the UK. Right, I know I said we wouldn't do this very often anymore, but um, LBC's James O'Brien was very upset at the speculation on Twitter last night. He was upset last night watching Twitter and observing people speculating about who was behind the attack on the hospital. This is pomposity... Well, on on a different level altogether, and self righteousness, and holier than thou. Have a listen to this. Twitter was appalling last night, and I make no apology for citing
3: Twitter as an example, or or an exemplar, even of
0: an exemplar.
3: um, The place to go for breaking news. If you think back a year or two years, it was wonderful. Why was it wonderful two years ago on
0: Twitter? You won't believe what you're going to hear. Be an absolute
3: sewer on occasions but it was so good on breaking news because it was good on breaking news twitter because of the verification system so you knew that what almost everybody who had a blue tick would be (laughs) working for a reputable news organization
0: (laughs) you knew that everybody who had a blue tick was working for a reputable news organization so back in 2020 if they had a blue tick you could trust them problem is we we remember Convit. We remember lockdowns, kids not going to school, companies collapsing after they were told to close. And you know who endorsed most of that, James? With your silly beard on you? Yeah, it was news organization with blue ticks. Talk about a lack of self-awareness, eh? He goes on, this dipstick.
3: It was fairly easy to establish whether or not it was coming from somebody who had, uh, 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 you know, credibility. This is amazing, isn't it? God, it was awful. Awful last night. It was awful last night. He couldn't really, can't use it anymore to track breaking news. If you haven't double, triple and quadruple checked, whatever it is that you are thinking of uh, of texting to me, or more importantly, whatever it is you are choosing to believe.
0: Hey dickhead, you're supposed to be the guy doing the double, tripling and quadrupling of checks. You. The irony here is absolutely mind-blowing. It's not down to listeners to be tweeting you what's true and what isn't true. In an ideal world, you should be finding out completely, objectively, finding out what's right. You should be checking, doubling down, trebling down, and quadrupling down before you bring it to your, to your listeners. You absolute idiot. I've never, heard, I've never heard such drivel in all my life. And I've heard some drivel in my life. This is great stuff.
3: About this explosion at this hospital, then you are actually doing a grave disservice to the dead.
0: Right, so if you're speculating about who might have blown up the hospital, you're doing a grave disservice to the dead. And at the
3: very, very least, we all owe them caution, in concluding what has happened.
0: I don't owe them anything. That's the whole point about being a present. Sorry, excuse me. This is the whole point of journalism. Again, James O'Brien is no journalist. No qualifications whatsoever. Came from the London School of Economics. Mousepiece was put on radio because of his opinions, because he's a gatekeeper. He isn't a journalist. Um, you don't owe anybody anything. That's the point of journalism. Completely dispassionate. You separate yourself from everything, from every event. And you leave emotion out of it. Personal feelings, put them to one side, and then clinically and sometimes coldly, you go and try and find out what exactly happened and do the best for your audience. Anyway, this goes on a little bit more. A
3: rush to judgment is often wrong. So I would go as far as to say that you insult the memory of the people who have died by claiming certainty already, by claiming an impossible certainty.
0: How pious of him
3: about what happened and, I, and I, I i you know
0: again again irony and self-awareness completely lost on this bozo you know think back to march 2020 when you had chris Whitty, the chief medical officer for england telling people that COVID was a bit mild and that some people would get it, but the majority of people wouldn't get it, and even the ones who got it, most of them wouldn't come to any great harm. Then they announced lockdown, and this guy went all in. So he's telling people to kind of hold back a bit, you know, don't be so quick to speculate, let the facts emerge, do some investigation. But back in March of 2020, this absolute lousy bastard, jumped in with two feet and said lockdown, 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 and um, endeavoured to, went out of his way to try and humiliate and denigrate anybody who said otherwise. No self-awareness here.
3: Had to keep a very even keel throughout the last week and a half, had to be very, very careful, and, and rightly so. as we- a- About
0: Israel. You you had to keep an even keel and you had to be very careful about Israel. But on any other subject, whether it's Brexit, whether it's um, lockdowns and COVID, whether it's vaccines, you can't wait to shout from the rooftops. But in the last week and a half, you had to keep pretty quiet and be careful because it's Israel, James.
3: We wade into incredibly complicated and heartbreaking territory.
0: Fuck off. Pious nonsense from the worst radio presenter in the UK. I could not let that go. You know, this... um, this This upset this discomfort with speculation from this guy who led the 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 um the scapegoating i i should say scapegoating of anybody who dared to challenge the government's narrative back in March of twenty twenty he's the equivalent O'Brien of a participation trophy you know it's actually impossible to underestimate james O'Brien he's the reason why tubes of toothpaste have instructions on them. Somebody should swap his chapstick with super glue. James O'Brien is the reason that God gave us a middle finger. You know? There's there's no doubt in my mind now. Anyway, the time is coming up for 18 minutes past the hour. Later on in the programme, we'll be talking to a really interesting... uh, Or we'll be talking about a really interesting group who take to the streets of London. They're the Yellow Boards group to challenge official narratives on anything you can think of. Francis is the spokesman for the group, he'll join us. But before that, Kevin Barrett from kevinbarrett.substack.com, dot uns.net or uns.com, I can't remember. Kevin's a good guy and I want to get his thoughts... On what has uh, happened overnight and what has happened in the past week, Ardell says Biden probably had a rare moment of enlightenment and realized his anecdote was about writing a line to cover up an atrocity and decided to bin it. That's a great shout, Bobsky says. No thanks, Bobsky. Seamus says Richie, if we are to believe, he says, if we are to believe, believe a soup con of the media about Israel being one, if not the most COVID vaccinated countries in the world, um, then we should not suspect a lot of the populations there are going to be prone to popping their clogs. Hence, ethnically cleansing adjoining areas such as Gaza by the military uh, may well go some way to clearing out vast swathes of people from that part of the globe. The powers that be would have the opportunity to repopulate as they see fit. A test case for a great reset, maybe, asks Seamus. That's an interesting one. That if if Israel is not prone to attacking their own population... Maybe not so many of the Israelis are, are going to succumb to the adverse events of the jabs. It's an interesting one, Seamus. It's not one I'd considered. It's an interesting one. Hi to Stephen who says O'Brien oh, is delusional psychosis. He must be on beta blockers or beta blockers to calm himself down. I bet he keeps Big Pharma going on antipsychotic drugs also. Maybe. Israel told Palestinians to go to the south and then they dropped bombs on them, says Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Cheney says they messaged the hospital an hour before the attack, telling them to leave. They also bombed the hospital two days before, says Cheney. Michael says, Richie, what is an Englishman doing in a foreign army? The same system that sold us weapons of mass destruction. Very good point. He's not the only one. There's a number of these IDF spokesmen and spokeswomen that speak with very distinctive... British accents, Michael. It's a very good point that. Hi to Paula, who says, Richie, yeah, right. Remember the pilot's passport found at 9-11? It all stinks, this Paula. What is real, she asks. I don't know. I have no idea, is the answer to that. The time is 21 minutes past the hour. Tell you what I'll do. I'll take a tune. We'll get Kevin on and we'll have a chat with Kevin about it. He writes on Substack. And um, very well-written, very thought-provoking articles. He also presents a radio show. We'll talk to Kevin a little bit later on. Yellow Boards in London. Interesting programme today. More of your comments in a moment. It's Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Come on, Ben. Nothing is working today. It's like every key on this sexy console is sticking a little bit. It's sticking, goddammit. Anyway... Here's Mark Morrison back with Kevin, Richie Allen Show. Yeah, 24 and a half minutes past the hour of five o'clock here in Salford in the northwest of the UK, where the weather is going to get pretty grim in the next couple of days. Mark Morrison, return of the Mac. Kevin Barrett's a friend of ours, a really good friend too. He's a broadcaster, writer, academic. Find him at kevinbarrett.substack.com. He's articles are always interesting and thought-provoking, particularly in the last 10 to 12 days. Go there. He writes for UNS as well, truthjihad.com. He does an excellent radio programme, and he's having more success than I am in recent weeks of getting people on his programme who disagree with him, which makes for entertaining and educational radio, at least in my opinion. He's on the line from Morocco. Kevin, welcome back, pal. How are you? i with you. Thanks, Kevin. Sorry there was a little delay there. It was my fault. Um, but you're on. You're here. And, and thank God for that. Um, I'm beginning to wonder about the attack on the Al-Ali hospital yesterday. I'm beginning to wonder if Israel um, actually didn't do it. And that a broken clock is uh, is right twice a day. And that it may, in fact, have been an accident, missiles bound for... For, for for Israel, as has been claimed by the wretched, the utterly wretched Israeli defence forces, before anybody starts to shout at me. But I'm wondering if there's some truth to it. I find it hard to believe hundreds of people have died, Kevin. A lot of buildings remain intact. I don't understand what's going on. What's your take on it?
5: Well, it it, it uh, obviously we need to keep investigating, but it looks like hundreds have died and there's... Uh, A lot of, you know, pile, a huge pile of rubble with uh, large numbers of bodies there. And since the Palestinian resistance doesn't have any rocket bombs that can kill 50 people, much less 500, and reduce large uh, areas to rubble like that, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that, that Israel did it and that all of this propaganda is the usual uh, Zionist lies and, and psyops.
0: Well, that would be that would be my interpretation nine times out of ten. But you said there's a lot of rubble there. I've spent the afternoon looking at Twitter videos posted by everybody, posted by Al Jazeera, by other news organisations, posted by Palestinians with camera phones. And while there does appear to be a big mess there, it appears to be in a car park, and the buildings themselves r- seem to be. R- pretty much un- un- unharmed. So am I to believe, and I'm not having a go at you, by the way, this is all supposition. Am I to believe that hundreds of people were in a car park when these um, projectiles hit or, or, or what?
5: Well, yeah, that I, you know, I haven't looked closely to see which parts of this complex were destroyed or which weren't. But what was put out from the Palestinian side immediately was that a large number of the people killed were refugees or double refugees, you know, people who had taken the Israeli advice to uh, move out of, uh, of North Gaza uh, into South Gaza, and that they were camped out, presumably in the car park. Uh, so that would be why they're under the rubble there.
0: Okay, I can I can kind of buy that. What what I don't buy though is with the visit of the president of the United States irrespective irrespective of his cognitive state, we can we can joke about that, but with the world's media focusing on that, I can't find I really can't imagine what Israel had to gain by doing that with the world's media traveling across the Atlantic with Biden. Why would they do that? Nothing to gain. I can't see any gain
5: well they they dominate the world's media, and uh they're also just you know just vicious not you know this is this has no military significance none of this does there's not they're not bombing anything in Gaza that has any military significance at all. they're just torturing and killing civilians they're bombing uh in hospitals this i think there there's several dozen dozen hospitals that have already been destroyed by Israeli bombs and they're not giving warning they have they're bombing ambulances. They're uh, bombing uh, refugee encampments. They're bombing convoys. Uh, they they killed sixty or seventy people in a convoy right after they ordered them to, to. They ordered that mass evacuation of over a million people, and then they bombed the people who were who were leaving. Uh, and again, this is none of this has any military significance. They are just exterminating Palestinians in a terror operation. That's their. I believe their objective is to try to kill and expel the remaining Palestinians, not only from Gaza, but also from the West Bank. And I think that they sent a strong message to Biden that we own you. You know, Biden was on the way there with the world's Zionist controlled uh, mainstream press corps with him and they just tugged on his puppet strings and they tugged on the, on the uh, mainstream media's puppet strings. So it, it, this, it doesn't really surprise me at all. It's par for the course.
0: Israel says I hate to speak in these terms Israel because Israel is really a government it's a it's a country made up of of I can't off the top of my head give the population but them um, several million people so so I I I this 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 bothers me talking about China and Iran but anyway look the the government says that what happened with the convoy they said Hamas did it it wanted to punish people Um, for leaving and that Hamas likes the area to be pretty populated because then they can go crying to the world's media when Israel comes after Hamas and it ends up um, inflicting casualties on civilians. So that's what Israel is saying. I'm not saying I believe it for a minute, but that's what it says with respect to the charge that it attacked um, a convoy. What I wanted to ask you, you've had some brilliant shows lately where you've talked to people who see it a bit differently. When it happened, you, I believe, saw it. When, sorry, excuse me. When this latest round of violence began, and I know before you start shouting at me that Palestinians experience violence at the hands of the IDF and the Israeli police every day of the week and twice on Sunday, I know that. But when this latest escalation began about 12 or so days ago, Hamas's incursion into southern Israel, and you believed, didn't you? Or maybe you still do believe that it was a it was a coup, almost, not a coup, but it was a brilliant strategic move by Hamas penetrating the Israeli defences, very well planned and very well thought out, when others, who you've spoken to in, in recent days, they believe something else happened, that it was a self-inflicted wound by Israel, and that is explained by the fact there wasn't any real defence or any real kind of mobilisation by the Israelis for about six hours. What do you think today, looking back at it?
5: Well, at this point I haven't run into any information that would make me change my mind. Although, I do think that it was it was not only a very well-planned operation by Hamas, and it was not aimed at killing civilians, by the way, it was aimed at attacking Israeli military sites, taking Israeli military hostages and civilian hostages if the opportunity arose. So that that's what it was supposed to do, and. This has actually been in the mainstream media, which has walked back many of their earlier claims. You know, the early reporting all came from the Israeli propaganda machine saying that, you know, the Palestinians had come in and just butchered all of these civilians. And it turns out, of course, that's not the case. It turns out... Hang on, hang on,
0: Kev. Kev, hang on. They did kill a lot of civilians.
5: A lot of civilians got killed, but the civilians were probably the majority of civilians... Probably the the great majority of civilians were actually killed by the Israeli defense forces because these were in firefights. And in the firefights, the way the Israeli defense forces fight is they have a doctrine of using overwhelming firepower to prevent any live hostages from ever being taken if they can stop it. So what happened was that Hamas would be, you know, come in, find a bunch of potential civilian hostages, round them up, and then the IDF would just come in and kill everybody. Uh, and, and that's probably how the majority of the Israeli civilians died. Yeah, Kevin, but you're an academic. Case.
0: Hang on. You, you're an academic and you're a bit of a die-in when it comes to critical thinking. I'm surprised at you. I mean, that's thats pure supposition. that That's not backed up by any facts.
5: You no, know, it's backed up by all kinds of facts, including interviews with Israeli hostages who talked about how they were treated uh, very gently and kindly as guests. And then the IDF came in and blew everybody away and killed everybody. Yeah, that's an interesting for, point. I'm left to tell the tale. Hang that's on, hang, hang on, hang uh, on, hang pro- on, Kev. Program. I could send you this, the listen. link if you want. You could listen to them talk about it in Hebrew.
0: Listen, I'm 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 not here to interrupt you. I don't do that, but I think those are two different things. I'm perfectly willing to accept that Israel didn't give a damn about the hostages in Gaza. And has killed its own people by by in in retaliation. I have no problem with that. But I've seen videos on two websites, Kevin. I'm not going to give the names of these websites because I'm I'm kind of in the family. era. I'm I'm. It's tea time here, as it is more or less where you are in Morocco. But there are a couple of let's call them gore sites, right? I don't look at them for 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 for. Um, What's the word I'm looking for here now? It's for gratification. I look at news items on these from time to time. And I've seen what I believe, and I've been a journalist for over 25 years, I've seen videos posted by Palestinians, or posted by Hamas, of them running down Israeli civilians and killing them, and jumping on their bodies. Right? So that, that's horrendous, Kevin. And, and, and I, I wanted to kind of extrapolate that. Because you know you're speaking to an Irish Republican. Yeah, well,
5: I'm not saying there were no war crimes committed by that yeah. side. In the, in the heat of battle, there are going to be war crimes. But what, what I am saying is that that operation, that the soldiers, the Hamas soldiers in that operation were ordered not to harm civilians, but they, they could fight settlers. And basically the operational distinction is that a settler is a quote-unquote Israeli civilian who fights back right because they, i mean every jew in israel except for the the uh, religious jews serves in the idf so all adult jewish israelis are either idf or they're ex-idf and many of them are armed and so when the Palestinians go in an operation like this to take hostages and to fight with the Israeli military, they sometimes also have to fight back with, quote unquote, civilians. And, there, of course, there will be war crimes committed, but that the orders were uh, strict orders not to harm civilians. And the objective was to go after the Israeli military to take military hostages and secondarily to take civilian hostages. And the orders were not to harm to kill civilians
0: Um, and they must have known they were going to kill civilians and children were going to be in that number so here's the question that i can't get my head around this hamas would would have known wouldn't they that the response from israel or the israeli defense forces was going to be absolutely brutal as it has been as far as i can understand nearly four thousand people in total in the last few days have been killed in Gaza. But,
5: but, but, Richie, no, I, th- I think you're wrong. I don't think they knew that because according, this is in the, Western, the good Western media. The, uh, the Western media that actually bothers to look at anything in any depth, such as the Washington Post, the New York Times, which are terrible overall, but they still have been publishing stories in recent days showing that ha- Hamas had no idea that their operation would be remotely that successful. They thought they were just going to cross the border. If they were really lucky, they might manage to do some damage to that Israeli command post grab a few hostages and hightail it back into Gaza. That's what they expected to happen. But they had unexpected success. They actually managed to take that guard post, which was in charge of the entire border wall. So then they just kept going. But they had no idea that was going to happen in advance. Therefore, they had no idea that the uh, they would have a big successful operation like that that would lead to this kind of retaliation. That's,
0: I know it's the opinion of others, but that's your opinion. I don't, no,
5: that's the New York freaking Times well, and the Washington the, Post. Yeah, I, it's well, not I
0: just said... It's yours and others, OK? The New York Times and The Washington Post. But again, I would say, Councillor, um, argumentative, that's supposition. We don't know because we haven't spoken to the heads or the leaders of the mass. I've been
5: watching Al Jazeera and they were embedded practically with, with, op- with this operation from the get-go. I mean, tons of video as it was unfolding. Uh, and it's it's really clear that that's how it went down. There was absolutely no way Hamas could possibly have imagined that they would be that successful. Anybody who thinks that they thought they were going to be that successful in advance is smoking something.
0: No, fair enough. 1,400 people were killed. Don't ma- They matter, of course. Everybody matters. Every life on planet Earth matters, regardless of your ethnicity or your creed. Um, I still can't get past the six-hour can you verify that? I mean, I trust you not to bullshit. You tend to tell the truth, even if it doesn't suit your story. Did it take six hours for the Israelis to respond?
5: Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's so you know maybe there was some kind of lie hop stand down. I mean, that would re- fit with the Palestinians saying they were shocked at how easily they were able to overrun the border post and essentially disable the Israeli defenses. So maybe they had help. I don't know. It's uh, I, I see it as an open question. I certainly wouldn't jump to conclusions that it is a false flag. And what I really oppose is these people saying, "Oh, Hamas is really just an Israeli group." That sort of thing. That's just not true. Hamas is a formidable military force that enjoys the support of everybody in the region. Let me jump Hezbollah. in.
0: Let me jump in. So H- Hamas is a formidable military force, right? Why Why are we so quick? And by we, I include myself, to never assign certain properties to hamas or to hezbollah that we very quickly characteristics that we very quickly assign to the israeli defense forces or to the militaries of the uk or the united states it cannot be improbable i'm not saying this is true But why wouldn't Hamas from time to time engage in a false flag operation to suit its own ends? Why wouldn't Hamas consider, you know what, let's kill a couple of hundred people in a car park uh, of a hospital or or three or five, God knows how many it is, because we can get great capital out of that. Why wouldn't they? Are you telling me that Hamas is some sort of saintly organisation, would never do anything like that?
5: No, I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you though, Richie, is that false flags are almost always done by people whose side controls the media. Because otherwise, it's if if the other side controls the media, then the other side's media is going to very quickly be able to show uh, to expose your false flag. So historically, there's there are really no examples that I can even think of, of false flags being done by these uh, forces, like the Palestinians, who are the fighting the global media, who don't really have control of the way that the event is going to be portrayed. Yeah, but media's. you're lumping
0: you're lumping Hamas and the Palestinians in together as one group, as one well, homogenous group. I mean, <laughs> but, but they're not, because I've heard Palestinians on British television, and they're genuine. And I interviewed a Palestinian uh, academic on my program, and they don't have a lot of time for Hamas. So I'd love to know, but I suppose we never will know because nobody's going to canvass the men and women of, um, you know, downtown Gaza to ask them whether they like Hamas or not. But I'm guessing a lot of them probably don't. What do you think?
5: Well, Hamas uh, has become increasingly popular over the past decades as the PLO and PLA became just local tools of the zionist occupation and were began you know we're basically seen as collaborators in the jealous genocide of the palestinians so i think a, a clear majority of palestinians and again in virtual unanimity right right now of people in the MENA region uh, including here in morocco virtually everybody supports hamas and hezbollah and all of the palestinian resistance groups
0: kevin where is this going to um proceed with a build up a build-up is probably an exaggeration, but the UK and the United States have sent have sent ships to uh, the Gulf. Some of the mainstream media in this country is speculating the tensions have never been as high that if Hezbollah was to get involved, this might escalate if Iran was to get involved, this might escalate into something that could be, you know, effectively another, for the first time in seventy-eight years, a global conflict. Is there any danger of that, do you think?
5: Oh yeah, There's, I, I think it's at least fifty-fifty that that's you know we're we're on the brink of World War III. The, the recklessness of putting these two aircraft carrier groups right off the coast of Gaza at a moment when taking out ships with the new anti-ship missiles has never been easier is an act of supreme recklessness. You know, each of these aircraft carriers costs almost thirteen billion dollars. And for uh, maybe a a few million or even less worth of anti-ship missiles, you can take them out. So the people who are angry about the U.S. supporting Israel's genocide might decide to sink one or both of those carriers and could have the means to do it. I would imagine even a wealthy individual might be able to buy the means to do it. Uh, And there are a lot of angry, wealthy individuals in this part of the world. And then, of course, there's the false flag possibility that the Zionists might want to sink that uh, sink the American ships and blame it on their regional enemies, especially Iran uh so and and this is coming right as we're approaching next Monday's anniversary of the nineteen eighty three marine barracks bombing where more than two hundred uh, American marines were killed. uh Something similar could happen only like this time it could be five thousand people killed on each of these two aircraft carriers, meaning you know, ten thousand plus American lives lost, kind of the other ships. And that, of course, would be sufficient to trigger a World War III scenario. And then finally, we should note that the real mission of those ships might very well be to uh, chase the Russians out of Syria. And this takes us back to 1967, when that was also the plan for the USS Liberty incident, which Johnson and the Israelis connived to have the Israelis uh, try to murder hundreds of American sailors on that unarmed spy ship, the USS Liberty. It was going to be blamed on Egypt and lead the U.S. to Uh, enter the war, and just utterly destroy Egypt and destroy Russian bases in Egypt with nuclear weapons. And we came within seconds, or at the most a couple of minutes, of a nuclear war breaking out. The American nuclear armed bombers were sent to Cairo with orders to drop those nuclear weapons on Russian installations, and they were called back uh, seconds or minutes beyond when they were at the point of no return. So we're, we're reaching that kind of scenario again now. Those aircraft carriers are very likely going to be threatening Russian installations in Syria, just like uh, in Egypt in 1967. And the Russians and their many allies in the region, as well as angry individuals and groups and nations, uh, all have uh, very strong motivations to destroy those sitting duck aircraft carriers. Uh, which can be so easily done today. Uh, Those aircraft carriers are worthless. They're sitting ducks. They're just asking to be taken out by somebody with with weapons that cost uh, a minuscule fraction of what those ships cost.
0: Kevin Barrett is our guest, broadcaster, academic writer, kevinbarrett.substack.com. He writes for UNS, of course, as well. Truthjihad.com. He broadcasts very interesting programs. Check them out if you haven't. Very good question from Stephanie. Needless to say, since you came on with me, hundreds of messages coming in via the Richie Allen Show app, downloaded folks, Google Play or the App Store. We're very sophisticated, Kevin. Stephanie asks, Kevin, my own question, my main question since this happened is, why is Hamas not making official statements? Why do we not hear from them? That's a good question. Why?
5: Well, maybe because the Western media isn't conveying their messages. I just watched a brilliant, beautiful and eloquent speech by... The head of Hamas's uh, political information Bureau last night on Al Jazeera, and you know his command of the Arabic language was exquisite it was you know, i'm I'm working on my Arabic here as I uh, get settled into morocco and his Arabic was so clear and eloquent and easy to understand uh but I imagine that none of that is being conveyed into the Western media
0: Where was he broadcasting from
5: uh it was just it it was issued uh from the Hamas political bureau and i'm not i'm not sure where he physically uh, was located in fact i'm not sure he wanted anyone to know
0: <laughs> yeah well it's probably not in gaza you see and that will that will royal some people up because hamas leadership we understand is dotted around other parts of the gulf and not in gaza while ordinary men women and children get blown to smithereens you can understand why that might annoy people kevin
5: uh, well, they don't have a lot of choice. I mean, there are they're Hamas people in Gaza and there are Hamas people out of Gaza, and they're just trying to run uh, an effective organisation uh, trying to save their people from genocide.
0: It's interesting, the point you made about the, the media. Obviously, I've been in the media since 1998, and I do remember a time when the media of the US and the UK would speak to, you know, quote, the other side, unquote. They would speak with groups that... Were had been deemed to be heretics, whether it be in the Middle East or elsewhere. They would always endeavour to get that interview, to try and get them on the record, to try and get to, to understand what it is they were doing and why they were doing it. But that's, of course, conspicuous by its absence these days, isn't it? You never see that anymore. Like, I mean, when, for example, when the Syria... Um, I don't want to say issue, I don't want to just diminish it like that, but when they were trying to remove Bashar al-Assad, and it was at, and they're still trying to do that, when, when it was at its worst, only one organisation gave him an interview. I think it was Orti. He was never invited to speak on the BBC to explain his point of view as to what was going on in his country. And I just wonder, you know, is that kind of occurring to people as they sit down and watch the main evening news You know, will it eventually seep into people's consciousness, Kevin? They're not getting anything other than Israel has the right to defend itself. Israel has the right to defend itself. Israel, Israel, Israel. And I don't know if you've noticed this because you're in Morocco, but on the UK and especially on the United States media, which I observe, I know you do as well, they are frequently dropping a term um, into the lexicon. It's Hamas, ISIS. Have you heard this? Hamas, ISIS. All the time.
5: Yes. And, you know, that that leads to a really important point, Richie, which is that ISIS and Al Qaeda have essentially no support in the Islamic world. Uh, and there, there have been polls that back this up. Uh, they have never had any. And one of the reasons, in fact, in fact, the biggest reason is that both these organizations support targeting civilians. And Muslims have no use for that. In, in in Muslim scripture, you're just not allowed to do that. So, uh, however, Hamas and Hezbollah, despite having uh, some war crimes uh, in their records, uh, basically don't target civilians. And additionally, they, they don't go all over the world just slaughtering people. They are trying to liberate their own areas. And so they have virtually unanimous support in the Arab and Islamic worlds. So this notion of trying to connect these fake groups, I, I, ISIS was created in a US prison camp in Iraq, undoubtedly by people who were brainwashed by American specialists and al-Qaeda is the CIA database. That's what the word means, the database. Al-Qaeda was the original CIA database of Mujahideen. So ISIS and al-Qaeda are essentially false flag groups. They are manipulated and even created by intelligence agencies, and they are anti-Muslim groups. They're fighting against the Islamic awakening. They're fighting, ultimately, they're on the side of the people who are genociding Palestine and colonizing and robbing the Islamic world, whereas isis i 'm sorry whereas as uh, Hamas and Hezbollah are authentic resistance groups that are following defensible strategies uh, it, with morality and ethics on their side and and they enjoy near unanimous support, as I said in the region and in the Muslim Ummah. Uh, so the the difference is is critical, and I believe Richie that actually not only the creation of ISIS but also nine eleven, which is what put Al Qaeda on the map and put so-called Islamic terrorism on the map. nine eleven was done by Israel and it was a public relations stunt, precisely to try and discredit the legitimate Palestinian resistance. Now, the people that dancing Israelis were arrested for setting up the film before the planes hit and then wildly celebrating the destruction of the World Trade Center, and then they were arrested and ultimately sent back to Israel, the first thing they said to the police who arrested them was, we're not your problem. The Palestinians are your problem. And likewise, the, uh, the, whoever sent the anthrax letters a couple of months later, and those anthrax letters said on the envelopes, death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great, uh, written in, in a Hebrew accent, undoubtedly, the whole purpose of that was to tie in the idea of the evil Muslims are attacking both Israel and the United States. So the idea is to tie in terrorism with, with the enemies of Israel and then to try to make the whole West think that that was uh, a huge threat. So that, that's, you know, these people who are, who are saying ISIS and Hamas and that sort of thing, that's just typical Zionist Hasbro created by the same people who murdered the Kennedys, blew up the World Trade Center and murdered 3000 Americans and are lying to you every day, thanks to their complete control of the mainstream media, which is owned by wealthy Jewish Zionists. I've never
0: been, I've never, I've never agreed with the Israel did September the 11th. You know this, we've, we've had this out a few times over the years. I just don't believe that, but I I cannot explain the dancing Israelis, which is a real story, and nothing you said there about that story is untrue. So that's strange, but I don't believe Israel ordered it. I can believe that the Secret Service, excuse me, the intelligence agencies of the United States, to get the U.S. into wars in the Middle East, seven countries, and all of that. Um. I, I can believe that they may be used agents um from overseas, from other countries, but I've never bought, bought into that. Kevin, what do you say? Because I have Jewish listeners. I'm in Manchester. Uh, I'm in Salford. There's a Jewish community here. I know Jews here. I genuinely do. You know this because we've had this out before. I've got friends. In fact, one of my greatest friends of all time is a Jewish guy. When he says when he says to me tomorrow, which he will, now he's a free speech absolutist, my Jewish friend, right? So, so he's not going to tell me not to interview you again, but he's going to say, Richie, Kevin is educated. He's nice. He's uh, he's approachable. He sounds all right. He sounds like he's a good broadcaster and he's a good riser. But every to, to guys like Kevin, the Jews did everything. The Jews did this. The Jews did that. The Jews. The Jews. The Jews. They owned the banks. They own the media. They own all of that, and that's just anti-Semitism. That's what I'm going to be told. He won't tell me not to interview you again, but others will. They'll say this is just ancient anti-Semitism. Go ahead.
5: All right. Well, first, you know, tell him to do some research on the the topics that I've been talking about. Uh, Where, you know, where do we start? Like there's Laurent Guyano's book, JFK 911. Uh, You spell that G-U-Y-E-N-O-T. Uh, And that summarizes the case that Israel killed President John F. Kennedy because Kennedy was dedicated to shutting down the Dimona nuclear facility and Ben Gurion, the then president of Israel, who resigned uh, in spring of 1963 and probably took charge of the the, uh, program that killed Kennedy felt that the nuclear program was crucial for Israel's security. So read that book. And if you have time, go ahead and read Michael Collins Piper's book, Final Judgment, which goes into details. And if you read those books, you'll see that what I'm claiming is very far from implausible. It's very strongly supported by evidence. And the same is true of the various other areas. Uh, I'd be happy to send some articles and links to him, uh, such as Philip Weiss's brilliant article uh, do Jews dominate American media, and so what if we do? And the answer to so what is, is well, for the answer to the first question, is yes, we do. Uh, the majority of my bosses and most important decision-making colleagues have been Jewish in my mainstream media career. And the so what is that that means that most Jews, not me, <laughs> but most of the Jews in the media are viscerally connected to Israel and see the Western media as the last line of defense, keeping Israel afloat. Uh, and and I, I could go on, but the Let point me is, then. Let is me the in. truth is the truth, and anti-Semitism is racial prejudice, and none of this has anything to do with race. It has to do with ideology and, and political identity.
0: Fair enough. Right. Um, supposing I read those books then, supposing I take An Undertaking, uh, I make a promise to read the books you just mentioned there. Um, What about you, Jake Wallace Simmons, or Simons, who writes for the Jewish Chronicle? He's got a book out called Israelophobia. He's just released it. Um, I know another Jewish guy called David Bedil. He's a comedian. He's written a book about anti-Semitism. Um, Are you open-minded enough to read those books, Kevin, and have a look at them?
5: Absolutely, yeah. I'd be happy to have those guys on my radio show to talk about it. Uh, I, I think the thing is, though, I think a lot of people, you know, we just grow up with the dominant discourse of our societies in the air, and we internalize it. We don't realize how utterly insane this whole notion of having uh, the Jewish people invade, occupy, and ethnically cleanse Palestine, cross this cross the seas thousands of miles to murder and expel the people who are living there—that is the descendants of the ancient Jews and the descendants of Jesus. That's who the Palestinians are. European Jews who did this are from Eastern Europe. So having these Eastern Europeans travel thousands of miles to exterminate and expel the descendants of the ancient Hebrews and the descendants of Jesus in order to create a so-called Jewish state, uh, an ethnically pure one, and they'll have to kill and expel the non-Jews, that whole notion is so extreme, It's insane. And so outrageous and outlandish, that yeah. we just grow up on it and we breathe it as we grow up, and so we don't, uh, you know, we, we can't get the perspective well, on it that people outside the Western media bubble have.
0: Very, very, very good. Well, here's the, to, to add to that, yes, I agree with all of that, but We're in a never-ending cycle because, as I understand from watching a very, very good documentary about Norman Finkelstein, somebody we know and I've had on this programme over the years, is that Israeli kids are brought up to believe that everybody wants to kill them. That's child abuse. And at the same time, and I know you're going to argue that the Palestinian parents maybe have more of a right to do it. But kids in Gaza are brought up to believe that their next-door neighbours or those bad people over the fence want to kill them too. And that might be true, but it means there is a perpetual cycle of hatred, Kevin. That's never going to end, is it? As long as we're alive. I hope Kevin is still with me. Are you still there, Kevin?
5: Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, the, you know, Miko Pellet has pointed out, he's, he's the son of a of a military hero in Israel who helped win the 67 war. And Miko Pellet has become friends with Palestinians. He dis, he was shocked to discover that as an Israeli and a descendant of a, a great anti-Palestine Israeli war hero, he could go into Palestine and be uh, treated on, as an honored guest and given tea and everybody wanted to talk to him. And he, he was shocked because he had been taught that they all wanted to kill him. But I, I think that if a Palestinian, like a descendant of say, Sheikh Yassin or Yasser Arafat goes into Israel and says, hey, I'm a descendant of Sheikh Yassin or Yasser Arafat, and, uh, you know, I, I want to find a way to talk to you guys and learn about you guys. The Israelis aren't going to treat them that way. I th- you know, I think there's really a huge difference. And, and there's there's a, a book. I think it's Kaplan's, the Arabs, Ara- Arabis, uh written by a Zionist, uh, American Jew, who points out that virtually all the diplomats that are sent over there and they spend time in Israel, they spend time in Palestine and in the Arab countries. They all end up loving Pal- the Palestinians and the Arabs. And they don't end up loving the Israelis. they're just not as lovable. And there's a there really is a difference. The way the conditioning of people in Israel is nastier than the way people grow up in Palestine uh, being taught that they're, you know, they, they need this resistance to, to save Kevin, themselves it's from un- genocide.
0: It's unfair to say that the Israelis are not as lovable. That's outrageous from an academic. You it, know damn no well. It's not. Hang on, let it's, me finish it's, my it's, point before you come back and you'll have the final word because we're just out of time. And when you have the final word, I will not editorialize as I never do. Listen, there are many great Israeli men and women who are against the occupation and who do as much as they can with the limited resources they have to raise the, uh, the the profile of what's going on in Gaza. And you know this. So it's unfair to say they're not as lovable. There's plenty of good Israelis.
5: Yeah, well, Miko Pellet is lovable. Gilad Atzman is lovable. There are you know, a bunch of lovable Israelis, as long as they agree after, with you. and ex Israelis. However, uh, the poll showed that virtually, you know, well over 90% of Israeli Jews supported Operation Cast Lead when white phosphorus was being dropped on children in Gaza, they would go up, the Israeli Jews would go up on the hilltops looking down in Gaza, have barbecue parties and celebrate as the bombs and the white phosphorus came down. Again, the poll showed well over 90% of Israeli Jews uh, supported that. So there's a huge problem in Israel, and the lovable Israeli Jews are a tiny minority of the overall population.
0: I said that was the final word. I'm a man of my word. Kevin uh, Com. Find Kevin at truthjihad.com too. Really interesting stuff lately on your platforms, Kevin. Thanks for your time today, pal. And as always, the very best to Rabia. Thank you.
5: Okay, thanks Richie, appreciate it.
0: Kevin Barrett, folks, you'll find Kevin on uh, Press TV quite a bit as well, sadly no longer available to watch on on our satellite, whatever, on Sky these days, but you can find it online. Check Kevin out there, Barrett. Uh, kevinbarrett.substack.com The time is fast approaching 6 o'clock. It's Wednesday's programme.
2: Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> A robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. x 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all Neutra Health 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit Nutrahealth365.com now and get winter ready
1: uncensored unfiltered you're listening to richie allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show
0: indeed you are listening to richie allen listen there's another before i read your comments on that there's a bit of scary news everything is scary isn't it baldy it is it is stop calling me baldy by the way Uh, i wrote about this or when i say i wrote about something i'm shameless I've got to fess up. I stole this from the Telegraph, but I credited the Telegraph, as I always do, or the Times, or the Guardian, or RTE.ie, Radio Telefiche, and we're just about to get the Angelus, are we? Is the Angelus still on, Jean-Anne? Is it on RTE1? Is it still on before the 6-1 news? Anyway, this is scary. Sunak, that's Rishi Sunak, told to shut UK Gas Network and roll out heat pumps. Says who? Well, here's a phrase. Uh, The UK's Infrastructure Tsar. Not a phrase, a mouthful. I can never pronounce Tsar. T-S-A-R. Terrible, right? So anyway, this guy is Sir John Arnett, Hang on. I'm going to go silent for a minute. I'm going blind, by the way. And that's not a joke. I'll tell you about it another time. I'm, I'm losing my eyesight. I'm not joking. You think I'm joking. It's uh, Sir John Armit, yeah. He's the chairman of the National Infrastructure Commission. And he has said, and the government listens to this guy, that the UK gas network must be shut down soon. And that billions of pounds should be allocated for a major rollout of heat pumps, dear listener. And when heat pumps are rolled out, granny and grandad are going to freeze to death in their living rooms with their Aran sweatshirts on them and their scarves, because heat pumps don't work well enough in this climate. They just don't. That's a fact, not my opinion. Everybody in the industry acknowledges this. So he's telling Sunak to commit to a total ban on gas boiler sales by 2035 and to set out how the national gas network will be shut down gradually over the next 27 years. Yeah. So this is uh, this is not good news, is it, to be bringing you uh, this particular Wednesday. But that's what they want to do. They're saying that heat pumps are the only viable alternative to heat homes. Now, a lot of people in the industry are screaming and saying this is wrong. Heat pumps are not the only alternatives because you can recalibrate your boiler um, to take hydrogen, can't you? And that hydrogen will be cheaper, it'll be better, and it'll work kind of similarly to natural gas. But they're saying, no, 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 no No hydrogen, it's got to be heat pumps, and each house then, dear listener, in the future, will have one of these massive square bits of kit hanging to the wall outside, like an air conditioner unit, because that's how it looks, uh, these heat pumps, and it's more bad climate change bollocks. That's what it is, reporting on that today. What else can I tell you before I read some of your comments? And in a few minutes time, we're going to be talking about something very interesting indeed. The Yellow Boards group, who pop up all across London. What's the term for that? There is a term for it, isn't there? It's it's Gorilla, that's right. Yeah, Gorilla. One of the things I wanted to do years ago was do Gorilla Radio, which was um, get a mobile radio unit and get it out and pop up in various locations. And speak to people, not like a vox pop, but actually do live radio, where you're grabbing people and giving them some information they they maybe didn't previously have. So that's them. Um, that's right. And and a Dutch footballer. This is free speech, of course, very important. There's a Dutch footballer has been suspended for posting pro-Palestinian messages on Instagram. His messages were very benign, really. He just said, when one side has nuclear weapons, it's not war. When one side cuts off the water and the food, it's not war. And he's been suspended by his club. He plays for Mines. M-A-I-N-Z, in the Bundesliga in Germany. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not just about Palestine and Israel. People are getting suspended for, well, for anything, really. Any opinion that's deemed to be unsayable. Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer, funny enough, today was speaking to the Free Speech Union legal guy. as a guy doing their legal work for them. His name is Bryn Harris. He's the Chief Legal Counsel for for, um, for the free speech union, that's right. And they were talking about how social media companies becoming the arbiters of what is true and untrue, and also the decision makers when it comes to what is allowed to be debated and what isn't. Have a listen.
8: Obviously, we've always had um, arbiters of truth and falsity in political debate, and and they're called voters. (laughs) Um, And it's for uh, a free electorate informed by a free press to make decisions for themselves about what they think is true and what is false. Um, now, I, I think these these sort of arbiters are, are making a huge demand. They're saying, trust in our wisdom and benevolence <laughs> to to control the flow of information into the public square. Now, I mean, I don't think there's anybody I would trust, not even, you know, David Attenborough, um, to, to hold that power and to put the thumb on the scale and to say this is this is the regulated debate you can have. And yeah. I think the, the important thing is that those academics, the um uh, technocrats and moderators who, who make these decisions as to what's true and false, well, how do we think they do it? They have arguments, they get things wrong. Yeah. Well, but we uh, know we
2: know they get things wrong. I've had people challenge me on things I've said and tweeted about COVID but during you know, 2020, 2021. And they said, Well, you got this wrong. Yeah, I didn't get everything. Well, funnily enough, not an expert didn't get everything right. But I tell you what, put my... What I said and my interpretation of evidence against an awful lot of the experts... I have a much better hit rate than a lot of them, given the evidence we are seeing now.
0: Mm, Not sure about that. Seven minutes past the hour. Right, my next guest is present and correct. We'll get him on in a moment. Carol from Waterford says, well, COVID didn't get enough of the population, so let's freeze them to death. This crap will never end, will it, says Carol. Probably not, Carol. Probably not. Tim says, thank you Tim. Isabel says, I love that Kevin takes the tough questions with such grace and gives well-thought out answers, such as the brilliant question as to why Hamas uh, also do false flag operations or why wouldn't they do false flag operations? Kevin's response was amazing and convincing, says Isabel. Okay, I'll take that. I'm not supposed to editorialise but um, I don't buy it that Hamas or Hezbollah, for example, are above false flag operations. I do not buy that for a minute. I'm not saying Kevin is naive because he has his views. But I think others who might hold that opinion might be a bit more naive. I think it's naive to imagine they wouldn't do something like that and kill their own people. I mean, when you're in the business of killing people, right, regardless of whether you believe that group to be the enemy or not, if you're in the business of killing anyone, even if you think you are righteous, so you kill people in southern Israel, we're right to kill them because um, they're the occupiers and we kill them. Once you're in that vibration of killing people, you're in a bad place, in my opinion. Killing should be done in self-defence and self-defence only. In my opinion. You're a hypocrite, Richie. I I said before that when you're in that situation, I could make an argument for attacking exclusively military positions and military positions only. But I think when you're in that position, that situation, that vibration, that mindset of firing weapons at people and blowing people apart, you know, um you're not too far away from well let's um let's kill a few of our own people because we can we can use that capital to to gain influence with with the media or with Iran or with Jordan or with whomever. I'm not saying that's the case at all. I am not saying that Hamas blew up that hospital last night. Of course I'm not. I don't know who did, to be honest. I suppose you have to say 99%, you know, Israel. You have to say that because Israel has denied killing many people in the past and then an investigation has happened and we found out as Katya Adler... Told your man Lerner from the IDF, well, you've got previous, pal, of killing people, denying it, and then we found out that you did it. But this particular event, or incident, I still find it very strange, this hospital bombing, but that's just me... I don't see an awful lot of damage there. I don't see any evidence of a massive strike by a missile having, you know, being launched from a plane. I just don't see it. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking through my backside. As we have said a thousand times on this program before, I am known to talk through my backside. Robbie Williams, my next guest, is next after this. Come on hold my hand. I want to Yeah, that song is a masterpiece, in my opinion. Robbie Williams in Field, 13 minutes past the hour. It's Wednesday, the 18th of October, 2023. You're with the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on the Richie Allen Show app. My website, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester. We're also on TuneIn.com. Millions of people have TuneIn. I was amazed to learn. This is going to be interesting. I love initiatives like the one we are about to hear about. Have you heard of the Yellow Boards group in London. You may have seen them, they pop up all over the place. Their aim is to share information with people uh, which challenges official narratives on any number of subjects. I was alerted to uh, the existence of the group by uh, my mate Ray, our mutual friend Ray. Um, Let's welcome the spokes, or one of the spokesmen, or the spokesman really for the Yellow Boards group, delighted to welcome Francis to the programme this afternoon. Hey, Hey Francis, how are you?
1: I'm very well thanks richie how are you
0: uh, brilliant and i really mean it when i said i love these initiatives and i love the photographs i've come across online um of you guys and gals out doing your thing whose idea was it where did it all begin
1: well that's um an interesting question i first saw yellow boards um, in New Z- in a video from New Zealand where there was a group of people spaced about fifty yards apart. each person had a different board. and so the video was filmed from a car. so you you, you saw the, the the questions on the boards develop as the car drove for like half a mile or a mile down the road. And I think from that, It's spread in quite a number of places. Um, I I certainly know it's it's in England. Uh, There's a a version of it called Rebels on Roundabouts, which is all over the country. And obviously in London, we do what we call the yellow boards. and, And so it seemed to stem from that, which was about 2021 when I saw that video.
0: Now, I was thinking about this today. Is there some science behind this? Because I have a feeling that if you and I are on, um, I don't know, Oxford Road or that's in Manchester, of course, or if we're in Fallowfield and we've got leaflets and we're saying to people, there's another side to the climate change story, you know, take this leaflet. I'm not sure about that, but when you drive somewhere and you're driving along and you stop and you come to a stop at traffic lights or on an island or something and you see a sign and you see it writ large in, in in block letters. I have a feeling there's some science behind this, Francis, and you're more likely maybe for that to sink in a little bit and for it to to kind of register on some level where you might look into it a bit later on. Is there science behind it?
1: Well, there's a few things there. If, if we think about what happened in 2020, the government used uh, advertising everywhere, everywhere. So and particularly in places where people maybe are relaxed, they're in repose, maybe they're sitting on a train, there was... There were posters on the buses, there were posters everywhere you went. There was arrows on the floor. There was a constant reminder of of the narrative they wanted you to believe about the virus and the lockdowns and the vaccinations and and, and this narrative of fear. And and so that was everywhere. So in effect, we're we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to pop up everywhere we can to to spread what we think is the truth of what is going on and to, to question some of the things we've been told. Um, but there's also another thing, if you're a pedestrian and, and someone's coming to approach with flyers, I think most people um maybe instinctively shy away from somebody trying to press something upon them. Whereas if you're in your car, you maybe feel a little bit safer. You maybe feel a little bit more um, in control of your environment in your little box with wheels. And so you're able to look and just read and at your own leisure, if you stop the traffic lights or if you're going past this maybe less threatening and, and less confrontational to, to receive a message in that way. And so there's that side of it as well. And also one of the very important facts that, uh, that happens when, when um, we're out on the street, and I think it's probably the key to the to yellow boards and, and to why it's important, is that it, people sound their horns if they support us. Now, one of the things the government was trying to do uh, from 2020 onwards was to make everybody feel like the, that everybody else believed the government narrative but when you hear the amount of car horns that that are in support of the yellow boards it's quite clear that most people, or many people, do not believe it. And that comes as a shock to those people who are cocooned in that government narrative and, and hopefully gives them cause to question and go away and do their own research.
0: Really interesting, that, isn't it? Really interesting. And are there are there um, groups around, I mean, you mentioned rebels on roundabouts as, as well, which is terrific, but, but your own yellow boards, are they popping up around the country? Are they, uh, Francis? Well, is there one in Manchester, Salford, for example? <laughs>
1: Um, I know it because I'm from Stockport, just down the road from Manchester. So obviously there's rebels on roundabouts on Portwood roundabout there in Stockport. Um, I think I'm not aware of a of a, a yellow boards group per se, but to see the yellow boards. People on Rebels on Roundabouts carry yellow boards. There's not really an organizational thing. It's just a local people who are concerned. So that they kind of pop up all over the country. And there's not really a central hub. It's not like we we, we are a government agency and we all know where each other are. But we, we can become familiar with other groups you know, through Telegram and so on. But if you hunt around, you'll certainly be able to find them either through the Rebels on Roundabouts um, network, which, which exists, and also a Stand in the Park network may be able to tell you something. But we have our own uh, um, website. It's Hey Link Me uh, Yellow Boards, and we've got Instagram and Twitter with people typing Yellow Boards or, or Yellow uh, Underscore Boards. They'll find a way to information about it. But um, the specific group I'm involved in at the moment is in London.
0: Brilliant. And I, I should also, rebels on RebelsOnRoundabouts.com, people, check that out wherever you happen to be. Look, there's a really important and a very serious point here, and this is why you're here, Francis. It's becoming increasingly difficult to share information using, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, because they're heavily censored, and with the online safety bill, you know, becoming law whenever the monarch decides to sign it into law, and forgive me if that's happened already but I'm not, I don't think it has done, it's going to become even more difficult to share information with people online, so it's going to have to be get out there and put it in front of them in a physical way, right? Well
1: yeah this is it i mean the, the people who who go out at rebel's and roundabouts and like the yellow boards then they they are just ordinary people who are looking to sp- spread the message and it became quite clear in 2020 that that message wasn't getting through and 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 with the urgency of some of the the plans at that time and now it becomes more important than ever to to not only put the information or the questions in front of people but also to make them aware of of the uh, widespread support for those questioning and, and, and widespread support for the counter narrative so that's very very important and 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 the fact is that if you are online you're engaging on what you might consider to be an enemy platform in the sense that it's controlled it does, it senses your voice people are shadow banned the message does not necessarily get to those who need to hear it maybe it's 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 kept within an echo chamber so if if, as I, I would assume, that, that our safety depends on the number of people who are aware of the dangers we face, then it's absolutely essential that more and more people are made aware. And and if and if the best way of doing it that is is to be on the streets and create um, that environment where people feel um, em- empowered and also encouraged by by the numbers of people who share the same view as them. I think that's very very important and I think it's in a way I consider a lot of the screen reality that we're presented with the television social media and so on as to be somewhat something of a fake reality and and I think that getting on on the streets and actually um dealing with people face to face even if it is just in passing you know with a placard um as a car goes past I think that is, is the reality that we have to engage in because we need to, everything that they've taken from us or, or, or they've tried to um, diminish like our sense of community and our, uh, our sense of um, togetherness and, and to keep, everything's about keeping people apart and keeping them scared of one another, whether it's being scared of the air or scared of people who have got an, an unmasked face and so on. I think it's really important that 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 we are put that we, we do the opposite of whatever they're trying to encourage us to do and one of those things is to just speak face to face and to share information face
0: to face. Really good this. Yeah, one of their one one you mentioned echo chamber it's very good because a, a man or a woman can with the best of intentions set up a, a a a a half an hour program once a day where they eloquently and expertly challenge the government's narrative. And that man or woman could end up with 250,000 followers on Twitter. And they could get excited, not about themselves, but they could get excited thinking, God, I'm getting the information out there. But of course, not really. It's being directed to people who already know what's happening, and it's being kept away from people who don't have a clue. So this is really important, this, uh, Francis. Um, can I ask you about yourself, if you don't mind? Um, yeah, yeah. Where Where did it begin for you? You in terms of when did you first start to feel uneasy about life and about where about things were life. heading yeah
1: <laughs> no i mean i've told the story a couple of times i've, I've spoken to different people about 9 uh, 11 in in the sense that 9 11 was the moment for me I, I i had questions on the day um but just to give you a listen to something different um I I can remember, like with my mum watching the J- JFK documentaries and things like this, or you know, questioning his assassination. And also, I also remember very particularly, and this may be sold a seed for me, is that the year before the twenty-fifth anniversary of the moon landings, there was a supplement in one of the papers, and I would I was doing an art uh, GCSE, and I used the uh, image of the astronaut and painted it, like for for you know, some project that I was doing. Um, But I became very familiar with the contents of the supplement, which is why people question the moon landings. And so uh, it had a whole string of things, like there was a, a letter on the rock, which was, you know, uh, what the, what the Hollywood props used to be stamped with, and about the, the lack of middle distance in the photographs and the lighting of the photographs. So I I, I I held in mind that there were people who were questioning the moon landings, and 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 then also nine eleven, which is kind of um, there was lots of questions about how those buildings came down. And then as I got familiar with the internet, two thousand and three. Uh, about that time i discovered building seven and i hadn't known about that on the day and uh, and i didn't know if that was an internet spoof i was like is this a con to make people think (laughs) like to make people appear stupid who are questioning government narratives and as i became aware that it was real that 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 building seven had collapsed in that way had not been hit by a plane it fell suddenly symmetrically at free fall speed um i went through the process that many people have undergone since 2020 where you start to question everything and you start to question if this is what um they uh, the way that falsehoods are told about our current events what have we been told that's not true in our past um and and that was my awakening yeah
0: is there a danger and i say this for both of us not just you not just me but because because september 11 was a big deal for me as well and i believe it to be provable, pretty easily provable that the planes and the jet fuel didn't bring down the buildings and that something else happened. But once you get over that horror that agencies, um, whether it be secret agencies, whatever, can do things like that, um, do we have to watch out that we don't start to s- to, to kind of think, to, to kind of enter a reality whereby we disbelieve everything if it comes from an official source. Is that a dangerous thing, Francis?
1: Well, of course it is. I think, I think it, well, it isn't, it isn't. I think that if your default is to qu- question official sources, I think that's more healthy than to believe them. I think you've got to approach everything with a critical eye and with your critical faculties switched on. So, for example, once you know that they can... Uh, pull off a scam as large and um, malevolent as 9-11, then then you know that they control your politicians, your media, they, they, they control academia, they control firefighters even architects, engineers, they control all of them. Nobody spoke out virtually, well, obviously, some people did, on, on a, but the minority spoke out about it, and many of them suffered uh, professionally or personally in doing so. But once you're aware of the scale of that control, you're, it is imperative for you to question almost everything that you are told, because as I said, if, if, they, if they have complete control of the airwaves to the extent that they can launch illegal wars over 20 years and, and ongoing, uh, that uh displace and kill millions of people and and injure countless millions as well then then you that scale of control you have to look at everything with a questioning eye because it shows that both the the malicious intent and and also and also the the, the scope of the power structure that they have and and the manner in which they deceive you so if you if your starting point is then to believe everything the the, uh, the state or the official narrative presents to you, then that, that's clearly unhelpful. You have to start from the opposite and think, well, what, what are they doing now? Because this everything they tell me through this thing is, is, is suspect. Yeah. In the same way as in your personal life, if somebody lied to you all the time, you'd question everything they say.
0: One hundred percent. I phrased my point very badly. Of course, I didn't mean that we shouldn't question. I was asking: Is it healthy or unhealthy to start from the point of disbelief? To start from the point where you completely dismiss it out of hand? Um that's what I should have said. But you're right. Yeah, question everything.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, 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 I think the, there's a tendency when people first wake up uh, to 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 say major lies, maybe the the COVID scam or the nine eleven scam to to begin questioning and then to throw everything out and and to to almost um almost have no belief in anything and that's very unsettling whereas i think you've got to start just just be an empiricist okay on what basis can i believe this and what is the evidence showing me um it doesn't mean that you know the the moon's made of cheese or you have to start with what you can prove to yourself and, and work outwards and that means that if they present you with you know something about you know uh ukraine or israel and palestine and it's coming through your tv screen you say well who in whose interest is this and and um is this balanced and if they're not telling me about the excess deaths why uh, in this country then or they're not focusing on that then then why would they be telling me about um deaths in a foreign country with with such you know, wall to wall coverage. You just you just have to use your common sense. I mean, we we've all hopefully I mean hopefully we've got a degree of it, most of us, and um we've all all got the the, the capabilities to, to uh discern for ourselves because we do it all the time in our daily lives. And I think people, this is what, this is what I think is the magic of the the screen is why I talk about the screen reality is that say, for example, you had someone who looked like Chris Whitty or Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock hanging around outside your school, trying to inject children. (laughs) Most people would probably recognize them as untoward characters, right? But if they come through them on the screen, people uh, somehow take their words as gospel and, 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 and forego their critical faculties. And I think that's something to do with the fact that these, figures are in in some way we invite them into our homes through our devices and get used to them being around and become familiar with them And, and maybe that in some biological way almost that undermines our uh, sense of self-protection and um, our intuition because people you have around and who you're familiar with, you tend to trust them more.
0: Really interesting that vampires eh, we invite them into our homes, yeah if you saw, and look I'm no oil painting myself I'm no oil painting, they're not offering me male modelling contracts at all but uh, yeah if you saw Witty and Van Tam and some of those guys hanging around yeah they don't look right, let me read this from Ali, hi Ali, here in Warrington, says Ali, and Ali might be a man, might be a woman, I don't know Uh, We've stood on roundabouts at busy junctions outside the hospital with our yellow boards. We do outreach work in the town centre every Saturday. We hand out leaflets and we engage with people. We stand in the park on Sundays with the boards and the leaflets and this is what I like Francis. When we started we were shouted at, sworn at and even spat at. These days we get much more positive reactions. People come to us asking questions and are definitely waking up. Now this is fascinating Francis. Are you seeing that as things get darker as that people are more inclined now to come along and say what are you doing there lads and lassies.
1: i think there's been a massive change in in uh, in what you might call the receptiveness of people to the information being presented i think over the past three years people have recognized uh, um in some way that something not right has been going on whether it's i mean there you can pick any any aspect of the agenda some people will be thinking that oh i know a lot of people whose health has not been the same since they took that um that injection with, with with no long-term safety or fertility data. There's some people who are thinking that, oh, my business is being crushed or I can't um, go and visit my mum uh, because it's too expensive in the car because they're charging me £12.50 or they're, they're, there's impositions on, on my, me driving my car around and my freedoms in that way. What is going on? And so so there's there's this whole variety of things. There's some people who may be concerned with the the fact that they can no longer spe- spend cash as readily in the supermarket and the supermarket seems to have sprouted all these cameras that are filming their faces um the, the 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 ongoing sort of um digitization of life or the sexualization of children people are thinking or, or even just things like the ukraine war they're thinking why are we sending loads of money to these guys over there um who appear to be nazis you know like the there's people with questions all over the place about all range of issues so i think i would say a lot of people have lost trust in the mainstream media the, the mainstream narratives in the state and I think that's really important that people do that, like they have to lose their, their faith in the benevolence of government. And so in doing so, they've become more receptive to people on the street saying, hang on a minute, we've got some information here that you might be interested in. Whereas in the past, like, like, like when we started in 2020, they just had no interest. They, they thought we were nutcases, we were the, we were the nut jobs, the lunatics, you know? But even in the mainstream press now, we've had over the past, and it's been sort of completely quashed by the uh, con- conflicts in, 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 in Palestine and Israel that we've got all this information coming out about the negative effects of the COVID injections. So we've been talking about, we, the press has published information about how it does change, actually change your DNA, how there, there seems to be a cancer-causing agent in it, how it's been affecting women's menstrual cycles. So even if you're, you know, um, you're cursory, cursorily aware of what's being reported in the mainstream press, something like that is going to give you the inclination to To listen more to those people who were on the street warning you about that um from the beginning,
0: very good, Francis. Give us the website we're not going anywhere just yet. Give us the website again, please again
1: It's um hey link me and then it's forward slash yellow boards. It's pretty close to that. there's a few dots or underscores, but if you put halink hey hey link me yellow boards, you'll find it also yellow boards on Twitter, yellow boards on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, you'll find us. You'll find us. It's not that difficult.
0: Fantastic. Francis is the spokesman or spokesperson, if you want to be politically correct, um, for the Yellow Boards group. Hey, link me and look for Yellow Boards forward slash Yellow Boards. You'll find the group and you'll see the photographs. Photographs are brilliant. Uh, They're making a difference. Tell me, so obviously the climate claims, the climate crisis... Um, along with the other issues we've talked about—the excess deaths, uh, the jabs causing cancers—and and, 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 and um, of course what's happening in in Palestine—big issues. But the the climate thing, Francis. My my feeling is is that um, climate's going to be pretty much where all of their eggs will go in the coming three, four, five years. What do you reckon?
1: Well, I think they, they they probably got a lot of contingency plans, um, and I'm not sure that climate is is being bought by a lot of people in terms of the public generally. I'm not sure they're particularly exercised by it, and I'm not sure many of them really believe in, in that one in the way that, obviously, there are, there are many that do, and, and I think particularly younger professional people who've been th- uh, through academia and the whole process of being told what to think, they seem to be the demographic that's more engaged with it, but... Um, uh, uh, yeah, this obviously is something that they they need to do. They they need to to implement world pro- uh, solutions. They need a world problem. So uh, whether it's a, a virus is a worldwide problem in their in, in their narrative, or uh, you know the the climate emergency is a worldwide problem. So they will push it without a doubt. But whether it will take in the same way, uh, we can be hopeful that it won't. But but yeah, it certainly looks that that's one of their um, arrows in their quiver um but they may have something else as well to pull out because because i don't think the virus one has completely gone away um and they do need an excuse to place restrictions on your uh, uh, energy consumption on your movement on your uh you know calorie consumption to, uh, so all these things are justified by the, the climate narrative and and they have been pushing it for a long time and it morphs as well so it goes from being holes in the ozone layer to global warming to the end of the world you know what al gore was telling us 10 or 15 years ago that we would already be underwater so it, they just it goes from being you know um from one thing to being something slightly different so so, so from being global warming to being you know yeah. man-made climate change
0: and t- tell me this francis sorry to because there's a little bit of an echo so when i when i when i jump in there i've just just bit faded you down just a little bit i'm not in any way censoring you but just because there's a tiny echo um if they do manage to eliminate cash, and I know there's been some good news lately in terms of more people are using cash than previously, but their plan is to get rid of it and introduce a CBDC. If that was realised, that plan, and cash disappeared, wouldn't it make the other agendas we're talking about much easier to implement, surely?
1: Yeah, the cash one is is vital. I think, I think the key to any of their plans is the digital um, ID. And the CBDC kind of relies upon a digital ID. And, and, so, and, and that's why they we're pushing for a vaccine passport, because they want us to have a digital ID. Once they've got us locked into that digital system, and for example, with the cash and the CBDC, would enable them to be a third party that has control over when and if and how we spend our money. And I think that would be vital because then any dissidents would be treated the way they're currently treated on Facebook or Twitter, where they just, they just limit what you can do. So they can cut you out. They can block you. They can, they can, you they know can, they, can, they can literally, they don't even have to jail you. They just stop you from spending money. You can no longer access the supermarket. So all the things that they could do in lockdown in a sense where they shut down pubs, clubs and, um, you know, all the all the uh, uh, locations where you might want to spend your life, they could li- they limit people's access. But it, it they could do that on an individual basis if they if they felt that you were a, an enemy of the state, a terrorist, an anti-vaxxer, you know, uh, uh, whatever the, the 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 key buzzword of of the day is, they could limit you accessing society. And that's why the CBDC is so important. They'll 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 frame it as though it's about convenience and you don't have to carry change and you're not going to get mugged and it'll prevent fraud and all these sort of things but ultimately what it comes down to is that they want to have control over whether you engage with society and then what they can do is they can use the infrastructure that they're putting in place with the ules to prevent you moving so they have a digital infrastructure of, of zonal areas that they can control and they could also Um, limit your interaction with society based on your medical record. So if you don't take the DNA-altering, cancer-causing, menstrual cycle-damaging injections, they could then um, freeze you out of interaction with society.
0: Francis, I want to play this for you. You'll be able to hear it, I think. If you're not able to hear it, forgive me, but I think you will be able to hear it. You talk about that not being allowed to participate in society. I'm mindful of... um, He's no longer in office, but um, former uh, New York Governor Bill de Blasio. Listen so today to I announce
4: a new approach, which we're calling the Key to NYC Pass. The Key to New York City. When you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in this city. This is a miraculous place, full, literally full of wonders. And if you're vaccinated, all that's going to open up to you. You'll have the key. You can open the door. But if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. That's the point we're trying to get across. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life.
0: Do you remember that? I actually
4: haven't heard that one before.
0: Yeah, Bill De Blasio, Francis. That was um, two years ago, New York City. There's a follow-up clip which I won't play. It's a little bit longer, where he doubles down and uses the phrase, "If you don't uh, have your pass, you will not be able to participate in society." And you could, you could, you could t- kind of spread that out. You could, you could say, right? He was talking about jabs. But as you said eloquently there a moment ago, that could be, well, you're denying climate change. You're denying that vaccines are a good thing and therefore you're a danger to society. You don't get to participate, Francis, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of what they're doing at the moment is that we speak to people who come past us in the traffic and in and, and the vans and they're saying, I won't be able to work because I've got to get rid of my bad van. Replace it, I can't afford to replace it. It's got all my tools in it. So I I, my, I won't be able to work. So they're trying to force, and the, and I think that they have been doing this since 2020. They are trying to force uh, small businesses out of business. They're trying to eliminate people who are self-employed, yeah, and who are not in the control of the state. And so then you'll be working either for the corporate corporations who monopolize a lot of the um, the, the commerce in our society, or you'll be you'll be on universal basic income. And if you're on universal basic income they'll be paying you in a CBDC and they'll be able to uh, control whether you interact with society. And so, so they, this is, I think the plan, they don't want independent traders and, and they don't want independent people. They don't want independent thought. And they, if they have a CBDC and a digital ID, they will be able to control that. That and And that's, That's that's their that's their objective. So I think it's absolutely imperative that we not only resist the ULEs and the imposition of surveillance and the imposition of that control grid, but the key to it all is no vaccine um, passports, no digital IDs, and no CBDC. Any one of those three gives them the 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 foot in the door to impose a system of control that will be very very difficult to escape from. Unless and I mean people are obviously thinking about this already about. Um, sustaining themselves through growing their own crops. But if you've got a whole society that is, is pretty much clamped down under the control of a digital ID or a CBDC, then it won't be that difficult for them to pick off those rebels who have having some way being able to grow their own carrots. I don't think that'll be too hard. So I think it's absolutely vital that we don't allow the digital ID and the CBDC to come
0: in. Absolutely. Final question for you then. And do give us the website details again at the end. But final one today, I'm asking it a lot lately. Um, Who wins in the end? Us or them? And even even if it is us, do we have a little bit of pain to experience on the way? Well, I
1: think we do have a little bit of pain to go through because ultimately pain is the best teacher and people do not wake up without a little bit of pain. So in, 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 in the old days and um, the term anti-vaxxer was banded about as though there's these people who just woke up in one morning and started to, to um, question vaccines was actually it was it was distraught mothers who'd had a healthy child who'd noticed a change in the behaviour or demeanour of their child after the vaccines. So the pain woke them up. Um, it was people who maybe had been out to the, um, the, the 9-11 wars and, as servicemen and realised it was all, you know, ridiculous and based on a lie and, and traumatic, and the trauma woke them up. Um, it was people who during lockdown uh, found, you know, encountered suffering and or privation in some way, and it woke them up to, to this, this is not right, people, this should not be being imposed upon me. So ultimately, if For us to prevail, for, for the people rather than the malevolent dark forces that seem to con- want to control us, to prevail, for the people to come through, we may well have to encounter um, more difficulties so that more of us wake up and more of us feel the, the urgency of standing up and getting away from the fake screen reality with which they stupefy us and put as uh, so that we have the numbers and the and the um, inclination just to, to to do whatever we need to do to to overcome what is going to be imposed on us if we stay sitting on our bums and apathetic. So that that's the key to it. So yeah, we I do I do hold the hope because the reason I hold the hope. Just one last thing is because the other option is having no hope is so much worse so i actually do think we're going to pull through and 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 i choose that hopeful option and everybody has that choice to make in all different ways all through the all through the day whether they're going to choose to be miserable and defeatist and and broken um or whether they're going to choose to be strong and 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 face it with courage and and to take the action necessary and and to make sure that they play their role so that whatever pain is coming to us is mollified and that we get to see the other side
0: well said, Francis. And well very said, quickly, where can people find Yellow Boards again online?
1: You can find it on, if you look for Yellow Boards on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, we're on hey Link Me. You could also follow Robert Stewart on Twitter, who's at Steramol, it begins with a C. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, Francis X O'Neill. Um, so any of those places, but Yellow Boards on socials, and you'll find your way to to, you know, anything you need to find from
0: there. Fantastic, and Francis X O'Neill on Twitter. Francis, thanks very much, come back any time.
1: Uh, Thanks Richie. that's great.
0: Brilliant mate, bye for now, Francis there, Yellow Boards, find them online, Um, really interesting they're actually doing something I like this, you see, they're actually doing something they're out there doing something, and they're having success with it, there's no doubt about that, Uh, let, let me bring you that other part of that de Blasio clip, Bill de Blasio remember this stuff I um, you know, you, you hear a lot of things. I've been doing this particular show for over nine years now, but I was doing other independent shows before that where I was discussing these things. So I'm not new to this, right? But when I heard this from de Blasio a couple of years ago, I was properly freaked out by it because I thought we really are here now.
4: Now I'll tell you, we know those conversations with the business community are crucial. We've had a lot of them already. What we're hearing from so many folks in the business community is, they understand it's time, but they need government to lead. That's going to help them to do what they need to do. Not everyone's going to agree with this, I understand that.
0: He's talking about the private sector running the tyranny, right?
4: But for so many people, this is going to be the life-saving act, that we're putting a mandate in place that's going to guarantee a much higher level of vaccination in this city, and that is the key to protecting people and the key to our recovery. That's why it's the key to NYC. The key to NYC pass opens a lot of doors and we need it. We'll be issuing a mayoral executive order and a health commissioner's order. Those are the legal tools necessary to implement this approach. And we know that this is what's going to turn the tide. And we also know that people are gonna get a really clear message. If you wanna participate in our society fully, you gotta get
0: vaccinated. Wow. It's worth hearing again, right? Former mayor, I said governor, former mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio. Now, this didn't happen. I hear you scream at me. Didn't happen, Richie. No, it didn't. But it was a seed. You could argue maybe it's a seed that was planted in people's minds. You know, maybe it's still in people's minds. And We
4: also know that people are going to get a really clear message. If you want to participate in our society fully, you got to get vaccinated. You got to get vaccinated. It's time. All the answers, all the information's out there. You've seen over 160 million Americans get vaccinated safely. You've-
0: yeah, of course, not safely. Many of them are dead now. Interestingly, you know, if I think back to that time, the evening I played that clip, I also had Gerald Salente on from Kingston in New York. And, you know, Gerald can get a bit passionate and a bit animated, which I which I think is fantastic. Um, he basically just about had a heart attack that particular night when I played him. That audio. This is Wednesday's Richie Allen Show.
2: Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. (laughs) A robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery visit neutralhealth365.com now and get winter ready
7: ask not what the bbg can do for you but what you can do for the bbg
1: support the richie allen show now at richieallen.co.uk
0: yeah bill de blasio thank you pandora thank you to john who said John Spargo, this is on the website now, uh, they endorse dropping thousands of bombs and missiles every day, but they tell us cow burps will kill the planet. Send in the clowns, says John. And that went down well. Very, very good, John. I can't fault that. David says one of the best ways to get messages out unfiltered to a random audience is to have a magnetic whiteboard type mat on the back of your vehicle. As long as you keep it clean, your thought for the day can be as controversial, thought-provoking and narrative-challenging as you want. I'm permanently suspended from Twitter, but they can't stop me tweeting or Xing on the back of my own van. Come on, listeners, says David, get a magnetic whiteboard mat for your vehicles. That's interesting, pal. That's not one I'd uh, come across before, so well done. He says it's um pretty much... Uh what did he say? He says it's uh, it's very affordable, he says. Yeah. Joe says, Notty Yahoo was in London on the day of the 7th of July bombings 2005. I do believe you're right, Joe, but I am not having it that Israel had anything to do with that. Nor am I having it that Israel planned and carried out September the 11th. Now, I, I do expect you, when I say something like that, to not be childish and not do that, you know, you're a shill You know what I went through with uh, Zionism in this country. I have no time for it. I have no time for Israel. I've said a million times it doesn't have a right to exist. It shouldn't exist. The treaties which gave rise to its creation are illegal. The Balfour Declaration, Sykes, Peacock. The only other legitimacy they claim is that um, God promised them the land, which is bollocks. So I've no time for Israel. I'll condemn Israel for what it does, but I just don't see why they would have used Israel to carry off nine eleven? That being said, I can't explain away the dancing Israelis. I mean, I really can't. You know, I, I, I broadcast on commercial radio, on MSM, on the day, as you've heard me say too many times, so I won't get into that. But we never heard anything about dancing Israelis. The first I heard of it was uh, several years later. Quite amazing, really, that story. If you never came across it, do... Go online and look it up the dancing Israelis. It's quite mad really, because it really does look like you know I can't think of any other explanation, but a group of Israelis were set up to film the planes hitting world trade centers one and two the 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 the, the big towers. Why would they be there? I can't answer that right, but it doesn't automatically automatically lend to the notion that Israel carried it out. It doesn't. There are other possibilities as well. So there you go. Thank you for all of these messages, by the way. On Kevin, Gold Eagle says, You gave him a grilling, Richie. I didn't really. I've known Kevin for years. We we do butt heads on certain things. He says, I think it's healthy to get all sides in a conversation, as the truth usually lies in between what both sides are saying. I did watch the video of the girl who survived the shooting, saying that lots were killed in the crossfire. That's right, she did, uh, mate. That's a very good point, and I wouldn't deny that. Look, who the feck knows exactly what the truth is, but he says, I think you do a great job of trying to make sense of it all. You're very kind to say that. Look, I like an argument, and one of the things that has been very difficult for me in recent years is is that I don't get to have too many debates, and I'm not going to get into that again, because that's more of, of uh, that's, that's repetitive. But yeah, I do miss that. I do like, and if it it means that I have to invite our friends in the independent media on, and then I go all mainstream just for debate, well, I will do that. (laughs) I mean, I will, because uh, it's actually something David Icke and myself used to discuss many years ago. If the truth has got anything to it, it'll stand up to any interrogation. Just give me a few minutes to answer. And Kevin sent me a message actually just after that said he loved it fantastic challenge me but do allow me answer that's what it's all about that's what it's all about challenge them but then let them answer children is what we were taught when we were taught how to interview people many years ago G man says we were just here to document the event I'd ask the G man how did they know it was going to happen exactly but the FBI allowed those Israelis get on a plane and go back to Israel didn't they amazingly. But the FBI also allowed, and this is funny, because it suggests to me that the FBI knew damn well that Osama bin Laden had nothing to do with September the 11th, 2001, because in the hours after the attack, when bin Laden's name was on everybody's lips, the some of his extended family were permitted to fly outside of the United States, were permitted to leave, basically, and go back to Saudi and Qatar and other places. So that might be because they they knew that Ozama had nothing to do with it. Mm. Very good. Fantastic. Johnny says, Richie, do you think one day the truth will come out? So many are waking up, even some of my asleep neighbours. But Johnny, I, I don't know if the truth can be defined in a few simple sentences. I would ask, is the truth about what? Um, because there are so many things. The truth about climate change, there's the truth about the COVID scam, there's the truth about what's happening in the Middle East. I don't know. But I do believe, Francis, and I do believe our friends, Rebels on Roundabouts, I do believe that, and what, what Ali told us, and Ali is a woman, by the way, in Warrington, is that people are certainly more open-minded now than ever. And that's because this agenda now is beginning to brush up against them. They're beginning to see it. First of all, what is different now than during the lockdown scam. I'll tell you what's different now. People are stone broke. They're absolutely potless. And they're undoubtedly now starting to wonder why, what's happening. Why has everything skyrocketed in in price? Why is our government committing billions to Ukraine and to other initiatives? We're broke. And there is a bit of that, I think, creeping in. You know, so people are looking around for answers. In the same way so many people in March 2020 who had never given a second thought or wouldn't spit on the Richie Allen show. Right? All of a sudden they were like listening because they got a fright. I can't believe it. I never thought my government would tell me to close my business, to take my children out of school, to threaten me with arrest if I was to be seen a certain distance away from my home. I never saw this coming, so that certainly shifted people. There was definitely a consciousness shift, no doubt about that, and I think now with people being broke losing their homes i saw I saw a horrendous a horrendous figure today about business rates next year. business rates in London are expected to quadruple honestly, I'm going to bring you this story tomorrow the, the, Business rates are going to go from about £3,000 to about £15,000 for most businesses in London. And this is because of inflation. I swear, I'm not lying about that. Right? So that's more than quadruple. High streets are disappearing as it is. So you tell businesses, listen, we're going to quadruple your business rates. What are high streets going to look like in the next couple of years? And I think those business owners will be another wave to use their own terms, COVID waves, a wave of people who will be looking for answers elsewhere. Let's hope, let's hope they find the Richie Allen show. Because if they do, you know, if they do, they will hear the other side. They will hear qualified men and women giving them an alternative point of view. But yeah, there's definitely something happening. You know, the whole Ukraine, Russia, I don't want to say scam, I mean Russia did invade Ukraine, but you know I'm no fan of Vladimir Putin, and you know I believe that Putin is just as controlled as Rishi Rishi Sunak, and as um, Joe Biden, even though I know that many don't agree with that. Look, I'm out of time. Thank you so much to Kevin Barrett. Thank you to Francis O'Neill. Thank you, Francis, from um, Yellow Boards. Really good to hear from you. We'll talk again tomorrow, Thursday. Until then, until then, uh, it's Duran Duran. Sorry about that. Jesus. That was loud.